Hey folks, I'm Alex Dowd. And I'm Katie Rice. Today in the show, we're going to be talking about CinemaScore. That's the famous market research firm that pulls audiences on their way out of movies. And we'll also be talking about some of the films that have received the notorious CinemaScore F. Or the coveted F, depending on how you look at <laughs> That's it. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to Film Club. So Katie, in my 30 some years going to the movie theater, mm -hmm. I can say that I have never once been approached by a representative of CinemaScore. Have you? I've never actually done the CinemaScore, but I have been approached and sort of, you know, did a little scooch to the side and ran away. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. They would probably be very angry if their results were skewed by professional movie critics. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So CinemaScore, for those who don't know, and those like me who have never actually encountered them outside of the theater um, and who have also never read about this, it, it's a market research firm that they, they build themselves as the industry leader in measuring movie appeal. In 25 major cities on Friday nights, they go out and they stand outside of the theater and they pull people coming out of new movies. So, uh, you know, a new Avengers film is in theaters. They will stand out there and they will hand people cards. Mm -hmm. I'm told that typically about 400 cards are filed per film and audiences basically get a chance. Uh, one of their lines they apparently use is this allows you to be the critic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the idea is they hand these cards to people and people are able to give a new release that they've just watched a score between a and f a, gr a grade basically and it's a family business really yep huh. it was started in 1979 by a guy named ed mintz to me this is kind of a funny origin story of cinema score but he went and saw a neil simon film the cheap detective and mm -hmm. uh the movie had been very well reviewed and he went and saw it and he hated it and he thought to himself i would just love to know what ordinary people thought of of, 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 of any movie, you know, he's like, yeah. you know, I realized he was recognizing a disconnect between the way that critics thought about movies and the way that audiences thought about movies, supposedly. Well, you know, I mean, he's not wrong in some respects, you know, especially when it comes to big blockbuster or franchise filmmaking, the reactions of the general public and critics are different, which you can see from the cinema scores. For sure, you can. So they, they work out of an office, a home office in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it's been going since 1979. They've been doing this. They only pull films that are on 1,500 screens or more. So it's all right. multiplex fare. I mean, for years, it, I mean, it's been kind of an institution uh, for a long time. There used to be a radio program built around it. They had a TV show. There was a segment on Entertainment Tonight. Entertainment Weekly has been publishing the results for some time now as well. It was in 1989 that the first studio reached out to CinemaScore and said, you know, we would pay you for some of this, for the, some of this information, you know, yeah. we would love to buy some of the data you're collecting basically. And because, you know, the, 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 the pollers, the people who go outside the theater are also collecting other info like demographic info, you know, what's your age, mm -hmm. what's your gender? Mm -hmm. Why did you go to this film in the first place? Yeah. It's interesting. They always mention that uh, if you read box office mojo, which uh, I do sometimes, particularly when I was writing re weekly box office reports for AV club, they always mention the demographics alongside the cinema score are always right. like this film polled 63% white males between the ages of 25 and 34 and they liked it better than African American females over the age of 40. And you're like, okay. Right. 
<laughs> which is interesting information for us to have. I, I think that it's probably very useful for the studios to know how to oh sure how to market projects. Although I always do wonder, like, t- to what extent is this information useful when the movie is already in theaters? I'm not sure. I mean, there's such such a thing as test screenings. Sure, that's a part of the industry. Is that people sometimes will get to see movies very early. Mm-hmm. If you if you're a lucky person at the movie theater and pulled aside, they'll they'll schedule a time for you to watch a movie. Sometimes months and months in advance. The idea is you give notes on the film that helps the studio cater it more to what audiences might want. Yeah, and they definitely keep critics far, far away from those things. Yes. If, you, well, yeah. if you've ever posted a review of a movie on your personal Facebook account, you probably won't get invited to these screenings. It's totally. like jury duty. If you have <laughs> yeah. any conflict of interest, you are not invited. <laughs> totally. But CinemaScore is separate from that because CinemaScore really, I mean, they're not operating in tandem with the movie studios. They are just their own operation that goes to movie theaters and does this. I, I think that people have, pro- studios have probably paid CinemaScore to do a few advanced screenings from time to time, mm-hmm. but their bread and butter is talking to people once the movie is already in theaters. Right. And, you know, you'll see like, uh, this is a trend that's, I, I think, fairly recent as cinema score has become something that people are more aware of, is that we're actually seeing cinema scores used in advertisements for movies now. Mm. Like, like this got an A+. Plus. You know, when one word pull quotes just won't do. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) In a way that sort of reminds me a little bit of the Golden Globes and that this is a very small organization that is now enormously influential in some ways, you know. Or the MPAA. Yeah, totally. Like very small group of people. Although I guess you could argue with CinemaScore that they are talking to large numbers of people. The people. You know? I think what's interesting, one of the things that's interesting about CinemaScore is, I, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't shock anybody that audiences audiences give higher grades than critics do. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm I'm a notoriously stingy grader, as oh. many of readers will tell you. Well, Try to be tough but fair. Is this where I confess that I find the uh, letter-based grading system really difficult i really sometimes struggle with it you know because the the line can be so thin between you know like a b and a b minus that sometimes i really do struggle with letter grades yeah i mean well i think it's limiting um Mm -hmm. in some respects i think i i don't think that's a controversial opinion i think a lot of film critics would probably agree with you that assigning whatever grading rubric you have we use at the av club we use grades but some some sites use stars Mm -hmm. there there are various metrics that you you use um I, i think that often I have complicated feelings about a movie and yeah, exactly. boiling it down to a letter grade is not always simple. Yeah, you know? it's, it's it's difficult sometimes. Yeah, I think what a lot of us are frustrated by is, uh, the, and you know, one could say that we have ourselves to blame for using this system at all, hmm. but are frustrated by the notion that somebody would look at a grade and that would be all they need to know about what we think of a movie. When, sure. when a lot of the time, the grade really doesn't say much at all about how complicated our reaction to a movie might be. Right, exactly. In any case, th- there is a real discrepancy between how critics grade and how audiences do. Audiences tend to be much more enthusiastic enthusiastic mm-hmm. the cinema score is famously there's a lot of good grades with cinema score yeah it's pretty it rare it's pretty rare for a cinema score to go below like a b a b totally. minus is low for a cinema score right and what that's done is that's kind of changed the curve mm-hmm. so if you see a film that has below a b you know that uh, like, like the founder insists that like if something gets a c that's a really bad grade for them yeah I actually see that kind of reflected in the way that people respond to the grades that, that we give or the grades that critics give. When I give a C plus to something, and I guess I have a reputation for giving C pluses, <laughs> but when I give a C plus to something, I'm not saying this movie is terrible. No, 
it might even be a really interesting film. I'm saying, I guess ultimately something like a C plus is me saying the stuff that doesn't work out about it might slightly outweigh the stuff that does. Yeah. I certainly have my own, like, like, you know, talking about how like it's kind of personal too the kind of the grades you give out. Like in my mind, I have certain like criteria that fit certain things. Like for me, a C plus movie is a movie that is, you know, maybe not super well made or it has a few significant flaws, but it's a fun time at the movies anyway. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think it can be a C plus can be both an expression of disappointment that something isn't better than one might hope it would be or there are elements in it that that it feels like it should be better but it can also at the same time be an expression of pleasant surprise like when you're reviewing something that looks something that by all intents and purposes should should maybe be worse than it is a c plus can actually be kind of a hey this actually isn't so bad yeah no it's a soft recommendation in some cases right you know, like, especially if you're of the, you know, sort of like Joe Bob Briggs drive in sort of school of movie watching, then you can consider like a C plus from the AV club on a, like a genre movie as a soft recommendation, honestly. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I think that one reason that there's this discrepancy between the way that we grade and the way that audiences grade mm-hmm. is the issue of self-selection. Yes. That's, it's a big part of it. It is. I mean, I mean, a lot of the time what we're seeing, we're seeing something because it has to be covered. You know, Mm -hmm. so we're going to see movies that we might not necessarily see under other circumstances, movies that we're not like necessarily dying to see. We we aren't always fans of the people involved. They're just these are movies that exist. We got to write about them. Yeah. And another part of it is that we see a lot of movies. We do. That's true. It's it's sort of like this thing that like sometimes I think about this, that when you're a little kid, every movie you see is the best movie you've ever seen because you just haven't seen that many movies. And as you get older, you get more critical because you've just seen more movies. And that particular thing is amplified hugely when you're a film critic and watch tons of movies all the time. For sure. Although... I've noticed I have a friend who makes fun of me sometimes because in general, I sort of have the philosophy that most movies are fine. (laughs) I believe that too. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, you and I see upwards of 200 or more new movies a year. Yeah, yeah. That's a number to aspire to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And at a certain point, you start... I actually think this is a little bit of a survival technique to mm-hmm. do this job, but you start, it's not just that your, your perspective on movies, because I mean, the, what we're talking, what we're, we were just talking about is the notion that you get a little bit more discerning, but the opposite side of that phenomenon, I think is that sometimes I find myself gravitating towards elements that really work in a movie kind of as, I guess, as a survival device. I mean, I'm, I, if I'm watching this many movies, I, I you know, it's a fallacy to think that critics don't want to like movies. Trust me, this is our job. We, we we sit down, we watch these. We want to like most of what we watch, you know? You don't put up with all of the kind of, frankly, you know, all the the struggle that you have to go to to get to the point where you're lucky like you and I and, you know, you're a full-time film critic. It takes a long time to get there and a lot of work for free and all that kind of stuff. And you don't do that because you don't like movies. Exactly. And beyond that, I think that, so I find myself sometimes gravitating towards things I do like in a movie, even that, even one that I think as a whole doesn't work. And I have a friend who makes fun of me about it because he says that like the job has skewed me in in that way in the sense (laughs) that like a movie that we might go see a movie and 
he basically is like, that was really bad. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, but there were interesting things about it, <laughs> you know? Busting stereotypes down. I love it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the the audiences that are being pulled by CinemaScore have, they've self-selected. Yeah. They went to this movie. They, they're not being paid to see it. They have no motive beyond it was a movie they wanted to go see. And, mm-hmm. and, and look, I mean, like movies are expensive. You spend, you know, you can spend upward to $20 to go to, to go to a film. You, sometimes if you're, if you're a parent, you have to get a baby. Babysitter, mm-hmm. or drag the whole crew and spend even more money crew. on tickets <laughs> exactly. for the kids. You know, yeah. you know. I mean, you're buying concessions. It's an expensive night out. I think that there is a sense that some people they really you really want to like the thing that you've gone and paid for. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in, you're investing in this thing that's in front of you because you've paid a lot for it, and this is your night out. And if, I guess what I'm saying is that I don't think it takes a lot for audiences to uh, respond enthusiastically to something that they chose to go see and that is at least mostly hitting qualities that that they're looking for in a night out of the movies. Yeah, and I think that's reflected in the kind of movies you see get A pluses on CinemaScore. Um, you know, it's a lot more common than an F and, you know, it's a pretty broad, like, obviously there's exceptions, but like what I notice is there's a few different kinds of movies that tend to get A pluses and they're usually good and... Not usually. They are good films. The stuff that get A pluses, I don't think critics would say that they're shit. Most of them. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> the new Lion King was not on the cinema score A plus list, so Down's head didn't have to explode. <laughs> but it's it tends to be a few different kinds of movies. Quality family films get A pluses on cinema score, you know, starting with E.T., which I don't think anyone would argue that that's a good movie. Going through, you know, sort of the classic Disney period in the early to mid 90s and then coming up to uh, stuff like Coco. Coco got an A plus cinema score. And then you also see stuff that uh, reinforces the audience's values, tends to get A-plus cinema scores. And that is most obvious when you look at the faith-based films that get A-pluses that critics don't like at all. I think that's one area where critics and (laughs) audiences would disagree there. Like, for example, um, the anti-abortion movie uh, Unplanned got an A-plus cinema score. But you see that kind of across the political spectrum in the sense that Love, Simon, you know, which was a groundbreaking as a uh, gay rom-com, that got an A-plus cinema score too. So audiences like having their values reinforced watching these movies. And then the third type is big franchise films that people are very hyped to go see, you know, and that goes back to like, for example, Terminator 2 got a A plus cinema score. So did Die Hard, Lethal Weapon 2, just big event movies. And that goes all the way up to 2019, where Avengers Endgame got an A plus cinema score. Right. And if there was ever a movie that 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 to me is the least surprising a plus cinema score ever because <laughs> that movie, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is basically giving the audience what it wants for three hours. Yeah. And yeah. and there was a lot of hype leading up to it and people were invested in going to go see it. And then when it gave them what they came for, they were very happy. Totally. So one phenomenon, though, that I find really interesting is that horror movies often do really, really bad yeah. with cinema score. Yeah. I guess what's curious about that to me is that people are definitely still going and seeing them. You would think that the audience that's coming out of a horror film on Friday night wanted to go see this film. They paid the money. They went and saw it. But the, it, it's like the standards are extremely high for these films. We're going to get into soon into some of the into some of the F 
Well, I tweeted that I'm I'm going to actually give you the full list of the films that got an F from CinemaScore, and there are quite a few horror films on there, and some yeah. of them are genuinely very bad. Yeah, some are pretty indefensible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. But I mean, in in researching this discussion, the founder of CinemaScore basically reports that the first horror film to get higher than a B plus was The Conjuring in 2013. How can that be true? <laughs> I kind of wonder if maybe CinemaScore is reflecting some larger societal trends here when it comes to films and movies because by the time The Conjuring came around this sort of movement that we saw in the past decade that you'd sort of culminated with Get Out and Shape of Water winning Oscars towards horror not being a guilty pleasure not being something that you feel like you have to kind of say oh well it's stupid but and just the idea that that can be great cinema I think that was by the time The Conjuring came around that idea had become kind of in the zeitgeist whereas in the past you know even if you had a film that was you know a great horror film you know like say like uh, Scream you know when Scream came out in 96 people were maybe a little bit and in critical reviews at the time you'll see it reflected too that people People were inclined to saying, well, it's just a horror movie, but. Ah, that's interesting. Okay. I hadn't even thought about that. The idea that, because we've been talking a lot about the ways that critics and audiences uh, diverge and how this system underlines that. But you're right that maybe there is some sort of correlation between the sort of increased audience respect or the increased critical respect for these films and also audiences' attitudes about them. because. You're right that somebody could go see a horror movie and enjoy it perfectly well for what it is, but still be sort of fall victim to this this kind of bias that horror films are somehow disreputable. You know? Right. Like like to go back, let name another classic horror film, you know, another Wes Craven movie, uh, Night, a Nightmare on Elm Street, when that came mm-hmm. out. I think if that movie came out now, it would show up on critics end of the year lists. And then I need to, you know, fact check this, obviously, but I doubt it showed up on a lot of best of the year lists back then. I, I doubt that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I think now you would see at least a few critics like acknowledging it. And totally. And I, I will say this, though, audiences are not are so far cinema score suggests that audiences are not receptive to some of the films that have been sort of the sort of artisanal art house horror hits. Yes. Oh, ar- film- I'm going to call it artisanal horror from now on. I yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Elevated horror is such a dumb term, but artisanal, I appreciate uh, Indeed. <laughs> Like, I mean, movies that we generally give good grades to, you know, something like, yeah, like I looked into it, The Witch from a few years ago, that movie got a D minus. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not either. That was an extremely divisive film at the time. It was. And I also think that was the case of A24 taking a movie that was very much for a discerning audience. Yeah, Art House, I think it would be... I don't mind the term art house. Yeah. You know, an art house it, audience. Yeah. And releasing it into like, you know, 2000 theaters or something. Right. Because, and, and actually, honestly, from a business perspective, it, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, The Witch doesn't have to make, The Witch could make six million its first weekend. Mm-hmm. People could, could hate it. And it still is going to make more than it would possibly make if they did the traditional indie film rollout where it's right a few theaters it could have a huge drop off after its first weekend and it'd be fine you mean? totally yeah yes that's what i mean yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a24 was like yeah we don't really care if people hate it like people will go see it and we'll make a ton of money on it mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm. So I think a big part, though, of, of CinemaScore is that it really measures uh, expectations and how those expectations are met. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, you know, talking about The Witch, 
I kind of wanted to mention again the rule of 1500 screens anything that came out basically in limited release doesn't get a cinema score and in limited release is where you're going to see the type of films that are truly controversial and truly make people upset like when I saw that uh, Passion of the Christ got an A plus cinema score I thought I wonder what the last temptation of Christ got and it did not have a cinema score because it didn't come out in a big enough release but I imagine that the audience reaction to Last Temptation of Christ which challenges you know Christian belief would get a much different reaction from audiences and you know you want to talk about horror films films like Martyrs or the Human Centipede (laughs) those probably would have gotten bad cinema scores (laughs) oh for sure yeah (laughs) Yeah, but it, it what it does make me um, – I, I kind of – when I look at CinemaScore, I think it's an imperfect metric of audience reactions because of that mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Because audiences do consume other movies other than multiplex fare. Mm-hmm. They might not consume it in the same volumes or, or in the, with the same consistency that film critics do. But, I mean, let's look at something like, you know, uh, The Irishman and, and Marriage Story from last year. Mm-hmm. Those are two movies that obviously those appeared on Netflix shortly after their theatrical releases. Cinem- you know, when they were in theaters, they were in, in not a ton of theaters. They definitely did not make the uh, 1500 mark, partially because theaters and Netflix have this contentious relationship and a lot of theaters won't even play Netflix films. Yeah. But also because those are just the type of movies that might not ever get to, even even under normal circumstances, might not ever get to that many theaters. What that means is that CinemaScore never took the, the temperature of those films with, quote unquote, general audiences. Mm-hmm. But tons of general audiences watched those movies. I mean, they're on, on Netflix. Netflix yeah. Yes. I mean, I have no idea what the numbers are because Netflix religiously protects those. But- I'm willing to bet that millions of people have seen those movies and we but we don't get a sense of what of what they thought of them because cinemas because they don't fall into the rubric of what movies they pull. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 100%. And then I think about something like Parasite, you know. I would love to see the numbers for yeah, the grade for Parasite. Me too because I think Parasite is a movie that honestly kind of almost everyone who sees it likes it. <laughs> I've discovered. I haven't met I talked to one person who's and what he said was, I heard it was the best movie ever. And I just thought it was a good movie. And I was like, (laughs) that's the harshest thing I've heard anybody say about Parasite. (laughs) I read a couple negative reviews, but again, those were from, those were from film critics. Yeah, sure. For the most part, it was very well received. And just talking to people who don't do this for a living, there were tons of people who liked it because it's a a wildly entertaining film on top Mm -hmm. of everything else good about it. So I'd be really curious. So what audiences thought of that? Because CinemaScore sort of paints a vision of American moviegoers as people who only watch these kind of films. And, and that's just a product of the fact that those are the movies they look at. One area, I mean, it is valuable to have the information of what the wider audience thinks for a lot of reasons. And one reason, something that I personally chuckled a little bit when I was doing research for this episode, I started thinking, you know, what were the cinema scores for these movies that angry dudes on YouTube claim that, quote unquote, everyone hated and critics were forcing down everyone's throats? And uh, turns out the 2016 Ghostbusters got a B plus cinema score, Captain Marvel an A, Birds of Prey a B plus, and The Last Jedi got an A cinema score. So sorry, fellas, it's just not true. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think that those particular the, the people who are creating these sort of campaigns of hate against those particular films are as much in a bubble as film critics. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's just a different bubble. Right. Like audiences liked The Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> it was well received. It made yeah. a ton of money. Well, even by the most I mean, arguably cinema store cinema score could be the most salt of the earth type metric, you know, just the the, the average person, even by that metric, it, people liked them. Right. So I think that we should uh, I'd like to to talk now about uh, the films that have gotten an F. Yeah, two of them this year so far. Yeah, there's two this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think I'm just going to read the full list. Yeah. Just so that people know. By the way, I have not seen every one of these films, but. I um, haven't either. I've seen a lot of them, (laughs) but not all of them. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to read this off and then we can talk a little bit more about it. Okay. So there are 19 films that have received an F all since 1999. Not sure if people just didn't give Fs before then, or if they just don't have that data anymore. Well, it's like over time we were seeing up top the cinema scores have gotten harsher so perhaps this is reflective of that maybe maybe okay so eye of the beholder in 1999 which uh, i have to be frank i have not seen nor uh have i heard of (laughs) that's peculiar (laughs) robert altman's dr t and the women lost souls uh lucky numbers darkness fear.com uh steven soderbergh's remake of solaris jane campion's in the cut alone in the dark wolf creek William Friedkin's Bug, uh, Neil Labute's Wicker Man remake, The Bees. <laughs> oh, you stole my bit. I was going to do it. It's okay. <laughs> I Know Who Killed Me, which uh, is Lindsay Lohan. Yes, the Lindsay Lohan vehicle. That's right. The Disaster Movie, <laughs> The Box, Silent House, Andrew Dominic's Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt, The Devil Inside, Darren Aronofsky's Mother, mm-hmm. The Grudge remake from this year, mm-hmm. and The Turning remake from this year that's a new adaptation of turning of the screw those are the 19 films so patterns what do we see here i mean you know it doesn't include everything but the two major patterns are horror movies and auteur vehicles i would say that a lot of the horror movies on here are very bad yeah that's the thing i can't really defend fear.com no (laughs) (laughs) or the devil inside is terrible yeah that one's not good I actually remember I saw The Devil Inside. I, I, I actually reviewed that when it was in theaters. And I remember there was no press screening. It was just an advanced Thursday night screening. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. And it was not a huge crowd. There was maybe 20 people in the theater. And people just started booing at the end of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. um, that happened when I saw The Grudge this year. There was like All audible right. dissent at the end of the movie. It was the first movie I saw in 2020. It's sort of a little funny ritual that film critics have is when a new year turns over, you know, you go from Oscar movies to January dumping grounds and it's a fun little ritual to see your first movie of the year. And mine was The Grudge. And at the end of the movie, I could hear people be like audibly upset when they were leaving the theater. They were like, what the? You know, kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So those ones make sense to me. I think audiences were right to be pissed about those films. <laughs> you know, um, even if uh, grades for horror movies in general are a little too harsh, uh, I think those are ones that, that earn it. Although I will say there's one on there that I think does not deserve the F cinema score at all. And that would be Wolf Creek. Yeah, that one I would not. That's yeah, a very yeah. good film. But I think that it, it honestly, you, you know, you mentioned earlier, these horror films that just don't get the cinema score treatment because they don't open in enough theaters. Wolf mm-hmm. Creek to me strikes me as the kind of horror movie that a, a wide audience probably should not have been subjected to, <laughs> or at least it did not make a ton of sense for a wide 
white audience to be subjected right. to it because that is a nasty, bleak movie. I would almost say the same thing about The Grudge, except for the fact that it's a remake of The Grudge. You know, that movie right. is very dark thematically and, it, and the the kind of like gore and dead bodies and stuff you see in it are very realistic and disturbing. And it's a very, very dark movie. I mean, I don't think that audiences want, when they were out at the movies, they don't necessarily want to be confronted with something that's that bleak. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily want to be like movies with with like just staunchly unhappy endings. Right. They upset people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And The Grudge is one of those. Although the initial American remake, which didn't have a happy ending either, got a B minus. Uh, interesting. Well, that, that could be what you're talking about with people just getting slightly harsher with their grades over the years. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm definitely much more interested in the films that get an F that are not lousy horror films. They are, I think you called them auteur projects. These are films by major directors. And, you know, I mean, like Dr. T and the Women is one of them. That's Robert Altman, Solaris, the, the, the Soderbergh. Killing Them Softly probably qualifies. That's Andrew Yeah, Dominic. with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Exactly. There is something that unites some of these films, which is that many of them have movie stars in them yeah campions in the cuts another one that ha- that has meg ryan in it we talked earlier about the idea of c- cinema score measuring how movies did not meet a ticket by an o- audience's expectations right. a lot of this could be somebody sees brad pitt on the poster and they think oh this is going to be this he's a movie star i know who he is these are the type of movies that a lot of general audiences might not even go to except that they have like the tree of life is a great example i have no idea if that even got if cinema score ever even assigned a grade to that. But I remember at the time when The Tree of Life came out, you would see online there were multiple movie theaters putting up signs basically saying you cannot get a refund if you see this movie. Oh, wow. Tons of people were going to see it because it had Brad Pitt in it. And, mm. you know, I mean, The Tree of Life is... Then they got a Terrence Malick movie. They got a Terrence Malick movie. It's, yeah. you know, it's 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 a radical and borderline avant-garde film playing in multiplexes. And I think that's what you're kind of seeing with a lot of these films is that they're challenging in some ways. They subvert expectations. They're movies that do not necessarily uh, adhere to the rules that audiences are used to for what they go see. Yeah, and I think the best example of this, and I, I know we're in agreement on this because we talked about it before the show, is Mother. Yeah. And that's a great example because Jennifer Lawrence was very hot at the time, you know, three years ago. She was a very hot name and had been in the Hunger Games and, you know, more mainstream kind of titles. And then she's in this really bizarre, <laughs> auteur-driven film with a fucked up ending. <laughs> yes, Oh, I yeah. mean, there's a, there's a moment in Mother where I, I mean, through, throughout most of it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the thing that the wide release audiences are probably going to not love. And there's a there's a there's a moment. And I mean, Mother is a film that's a lot of what happens in it is is, I would say, metaphoric. But that does not make this particular moment of grisly violence easy to watch by right. any stretch of the imagination. Right. And I knew in that moment, I was like, this movie is getting an F from CinemaScore. Yeah, I remember I was doing news for AV Club at the time and we called it the coveted F CinemaScore because <laughs> in certain circles, it, it is a badge of pride to get an F CinemaScore because that means you you pushed the audience. You know, you you didn't lay down and give them feel good, you know, problem. You, you really pushed them. I think that's true. I mean, I think that's true with some of the films on this list. I mean, uh, on a whole, I think this is a list of a lot of these movies. I don't know if any movie deserves a drubbing, but a lot of these movies are bad and audiences respond to them as bad films. Mm-hmm. But there are a few on here that are genuinely very interesting. And um, I think Mother is one of them. Mother would probably be my choice for the least deserving of the F scores. What would be yours? I think I would probably 
probably, I think I would go with Bug. Okay. Which, you know, that's William Friedkin based on a Tracy Let's Play. It's Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. The acting is excellent. But I understand why it got an F Cinema score because it is, you know, based in the the theater and doesn't play by a lot of the more cinematic kind of rules. So I understand why audiences might be mad at it, but I don't think it deserves that sort of drubbing. You know, it's high quality stuff. It's just challenging stuff. Well, beyond that, though, I think that 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 was one that was probably somewhat misleadingly advertised. Yeah, that's a thing that definitely factors in. And when you talked about The Witch, too, like, I think that hurt The Witch a lot. People kind of thought they were going to see a horror movie and Bug is like a it's like a claustrophobic psychological thriller. Right. Okay. so what do you think is the most deserving of the F on this list? (laughs) I'm sorry, Lindsay Lohan, but I know Who Killed Me is a bad movie. It's a bad movie. It's just really poorly done. Like, it's it's only intermittently enjoyable in the sort of thing I was talking about last episode where it swings back around, you know, from good to bad, back into good again. It it The pendulum only swings over a couple times and the rest of it is just unbearable. I'm going to have to go with I Know Who Killed Me. That is a bad movie, but I will, would counter by saying you have skipped over disaster movie. <laughs> <laughs> And that is one of the truly abysmal parodies made by the Mm -hmm. team of Friedberg and Seltzer. And note that it's the only movie of its type on the F Cinema score list. Uh, Not even the latter period scary movies got an F. I know. Well, those are are much better than Disaster Movie. Uh, (laughs) This is the same team that made Date Movie and also Vampires Suck. I mean, it's basically like lowest common denominator spoofs. Like, what if you took Airplane and dumbed it down so far... I mean, there is nothing in this that could be called remotely sophisticated in, in terms of the comedy. And uh, it's the type of movie that that basically is just it's 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 basically like 90 very long minutes of references to movies that came out 18 months earlier. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that thing did this deserves... one kill the, you know, blank movie franchise or did they keep making them after this? Um, I don't think it quite killed it. I mean, Vampires Sucked came out afterwards. There was one called, they also worked on one called The Starving Games, which... Oh, no. Really? <laughs> so clever. Yeah. Oh, boy. Scary Movie 5 also came out in 2013. So there were a few more after this, but uh, it was definitely a dying breed at that point. Maybe because audiences fucking hated those movies. <laughs> Well, you know, all that being said, you know, when we talk about getting F scores for more challenging films, I hope that it doesn't discourage. I mean, I know how the movie business works, and I'm just saying this as a critic, but I hope it doesn't discourage studios from putting more original or interesting or, dare I say, challenging fare into multiplexes. Because, for example, a film like Mother, when that came out, I was so tickled that that was playing in malls across the country. And, you know, I just I know that you're fighting against the tide when you encourage movie studios to take more risks. But I hope that this information doesn't make them even more risk averse than they already are. Maybe they can open them in 1,499 theaters instead and just avoid the, the, the cinema score badge of shame. Perfect. I love it. A loophole. <laughs>
Well, on that note, that's all we got for you today. Film Club will continue to be a podcast for the foreseeable future. And so please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we are talking about a movie that will be available to stream next week. Ooh, a new uh, movie. Yeah, I know, right? It's called Sea Fever. You have seen it. I have not yet. So yes. I'm looking forward to see it this week. It's a kind of a sci-fi horror thing set in isolation. Yes, so it's about topical. a virus ripping through a group of isolated people. Very timely. Yep. <laughs> So we'll be back next week with that. And uh, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks. Bye. This week's episode of Film Club was produced by Josh Patterson and edited and mixed by Nick Moore. Our finishing editor is Seth Hafer and our motion graphics designer is Julie Mullins. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.